Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Welcome to CS Leadership Office Hours, brought to you by the Gain, Grow, Retain community. Um, what we normally do here is have a, have a couple, of, uh, couple of announcements to begin with. We're going to be doing a new format today, so don't worry about the SMB Enterprise split that we normally do. So if you're typing that into the chat right now, uh, don't worry about that. Um, Jeff's going to tell you about the new format here in just a second. Um, but one of the things, I, I have two announcements. So one is, last week we talked about forming a, an office hours leadership team or a team to help us facilitate and coordinate this uh, meeting. And so we had our first meeting uh, yesterday, or was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. yesterday was Wednesday. Um, so we have a few people that have stepped up to join that team. More are welcome if you would like to join and help us plan these calls. We'd love to have your help. Uh, but I want to say a big shout out and thank you to Christy Falteruso, who's volunteered to be on the team. Andreas Nofel, like wave while I'm saying your name, just so everybody sees who you are. Um, Russell Bourne, Laura LaQuara, um, Bertil Weil, Chris Nesbitt, and Anastasia. So Anastasia, which, tell me your last name or tell everybody your last name. So it's actually Magnitska. It's a very long Russian name that just gets mispronounced as I go by Anastasia. Okay. Cool. The funny thing I, is, my husband actually learned it to make you mouse theme. Awesome. All right, we'll have to we'll have to build that into the next discussion we have, so we can talk more about it. But thank you all so much for for jumping in and helping Jeff and I uh, do this. This has been a labor of love for the past six months, and appreciate all of you who have been doing this with us for for that time now. We're looking to continue to grow it and make it better. Um, so thank you guys. We're meeting now on a monthly basis and we'll, we'll help have a little bit better roadmap for the kind of content that we're gonna be bringing into this session. Um, one more announcement. Um, so our friends uh, at Success Hacker, Andrew, Wave, um, they are going to be releasing the top, the CS top 100 uh, influencers on Monday, which every, it's been a big deal. Everybody's really excited about it. So keep an eye out for that. The cool part is we're going to, for the, for the top 100, we're actually going to have a, a badge in Gangro Retain, the online community. So if you're part of that group, your new badge will light up on Monday in conjunction with that announcement. So we're excited about that. Thanks to you guys, Andrew, for letting us uh, be a participant in that with you. It's a, it's a cool thing that, that these guys do. Um, so that's it. So with that, Jeff, I'm going to let you take over and he's going to tell you about the, uh, the format for the rest of the, of the call today. And uh, we hope you're going to like it. Awesome. Uh, so we are going to try a new format. We have been doing this a little bit in our CSM office hours. So we're going to break out into groups of six for 15 minutes, uh, give you all an opportunity to network with one another for the first 15 minutes. Um, and so what you're going to do in the breakout room, go around the room, name, title, company, and your favorite movie is gonna be your icebreaker question. And then um, while you're in there, I just, pay, I just posted a link in the chat section for a Slido. So while you're in that group uh, for 15 minutes, you're gonna go around, do introductions, and then as a group, just start throwing topics or start throwing questions that you want to answer into the Slido. After 15 minutes, we're gonna all come back as a group uh, we're going to come back into here. One big forum. We're going to go through the Slido. We're going to hit the questions. Uh, we'll do it just like we normally do. Raise your hand style, uh, kind of go around. So I'm just going to mention it because I think some new people came in. So uh, you're going to go into breakout rooms of six people. We're going to do name, title, company, what's your favorite movie. And then if you guys can start clicking on the, on the Slido link now, just so you capture it, it, the chat won't follow you. So make sure you pull up the Slido. And then while you're in the breakout room, start listing out topics, questions, things that you want to get done in today's call. We're going to come back together after 15 minutes and then it'll be group discussion through the end. So I'm going to go ahead and create breakout rooms for everybody. Um, so we're going to do, let's see. 
Uh, it looks like we've got about 70 people. So uh, I'm going to push you guys into breakout rooms. Again, 15 minutes, name, title, company, favorite movie, and then look at the Slido, uh, add some topics in there. We'll come back together. Uh, whatever gets voted to the top, we will start going through and running through that. So uh, I'm going to push everybody out and we'll see you in 15 minutes. Uh, I already know a couple, I went through a couple of the rooms and uh, first of all, Jay and Christy, you know, what are the odds that you guys get dropped into the same room? You know, we talked to uh, Christy every single Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to move Jay, but then I thought he would have complained to me afterwards and I moved him midway through the meeting. So I don't know. I just didn't do anything. Um, perfect. Well, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to drop the link to the Slido just in case people don't have it um, back into the chat window. So we're going to take 60 seconds. Um, and if you go, go click on the Slido, upvote whichever questions, whichever topics you think you want to get to today. Um, I want to make sure we give kind of an opportunity for everybody to vote on those. And then we're going to start cycling through. Um, and then in the meantime, after you go vote, maybe drop what your favorite movie was into the chat. And let's see if there's, uh, if there's any good ones that we can start calling out. If uh, anybody knows Jay Nathan, it's definitely going to be Top Gun, uh, which is going to be his favorite movie. Lord of the Rings, The Godfather, good one, Top Gun. Jordan Denton, you have a, Jay and Jordan have a uh, you know, friendship already blooming. That just and Matt Miskowski. Yeah, that, I love it. That seems so... Jay, Top Gun. <laughs> I, could, I could just see you two doing the whole slap, hand slap thing. Yeah, that's yeah. That's Jay and I would do that when we worked together in person. You know, we would have we'd have cool high fives. We'd we'd have code names for each other. You know, we had the whole thing. All right, I think we're getting some we're getting some movement, and we're getting. I need to, to reorganize my screen real quick, and then we're going to dive in. So, um, if this is your first time, typically how we uh, like to run some group sessions is if you click on your participant window. In the bottom right-hand corner, there should be a raise hand button. Um, so what we're going to do is I'll bring up some of these topics, and uh, we'll probably get to maybe three or four answers per question. And if you have a response, if you have something you want to add in, just raise your hand. We'll try and get to you, and then we'll, uh, we'll slowly move on to the next question um, as we go here. So without further ado, we're going to highlight uh, the first question, which is, uh, anonymous. If, if you actually ask this question as well, if you want to raise your hand um, and tell us more context or anything, just let me know. Uh, we can do that as well. But how do you build a compensation model when renewal responsibility is shared between sales and CS? So if you've had this experience before, if you have any thoughts that you want to drop in, we're going to start to look for some, uh, some hand raisers and start to get some answers to this question. So thinking about shared renewal responsibility, you've got sales and customer success teams um, who potentially own that um, together. How are we compensating those teams? How do we build uh, a bonus structure? How does that look? If we don't have any raised hands, then I'm gonna start calling on a few folks. Um, so we're gonna go with uh, Steve Corsal. Hopefully I got that, that name right. But Steve, looks like your hand's raised. Why don't you go ahead and come off mute and uh, tell us some of your thoughts here. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, yep, you got it right. Uh, seemingly not that hard to pronounce, but it still gets <laughs> messed up pretty easily. Um, Nonetheless, uh, so this is actually something, I, I didn't ask this question, but when I saw it start creeping up, I, I I clicked on it because this is something I'm literally battling with right now. And um, my customer success management team has sort of shrunk uh, in the last few months um, through attrition and through some issues with, you know, obviously the pandemic and, you know, things had to be reduced for certain reasons. So um, we had to uh, totally revamp the compensation model because it just didn't fit anymore. Um, one or two people, uh, you know, or a handful of people attacking lists that a whole team used to be able to do just wasn't feasible anymore. So we had to go back to our uh, salespeople, um, some of the uh, less uh, prominent new business hunters, people that maybe needed a bit of a boost and sort of tried to create this um, 
renewals team, if you will, where um, a, a list would be broken up and given out to certain uh, sales teams and they would be able to work that business in tandem with customer success managers to be able to sort of build and grow that relationship as well as handle upsells, cross sells, uh, renewals and that sort of thing. So um, what we did was we created an overlay model where a, um, a CSM would get a certain percentage of all renewals based on their book of business um, and then they would coach the sales teams that were working with them on there to sort of reach out and better address the uh, renewals needs and cross-selling and upselling, which I had a hand in. We created some uh, deliverables, uh, you know, did a, a slide deck and, and whatnot to sort of help guide them in this, and then did some uh, regular check-ins with uh, each group to see how they were how they were faring. And they would each get a, a certain percentage, and I don't want to go over the numbers because it's fairly arbitrary, but um, but you know, it, it's it's been working. Um, there have been some unique situations where people are fighting over who touched this account and who really has uh, a way to go about it, and then splits have to happen. It's not perfect and we're still working through it. It's only been going on for about two months now, um, but it's okay. Um, and it allows my CSMs to try and focus a little bit more on um, the mixed touch uh, approach that we have with our customers because we have a, a big mix from SMB all the way to large enterprise customers. So mixed touch works best for us. And this was the only way I could get them to still keep their heads on straight and focus on what they, you know, the proactive work that they need to do, not just be reactionary and trying to get these, um, these, uh, renewals in. So, yeah. One, one, uh, quick question just to confirm. So you, so right now, whoever basically touches the account last gets that, gets that bump, gets that number. Is that how it's working? Am I reading that right or no? Yeah. So the, the large customer list that we had for renewals was broken up amongst the CSM team. Um, that it. team okay. has shrunk. So it's only a couple of people now and the list is too large for people to work with. Got it. Okay. You know, so it would be their now. list and then they have salespeople that they work with that they've doled out to uh, sort of break that down and be able to handle the list. And they've, they've gone through trainings with their, their team, if you will. And, um, and these guys have been able to help assist with bringing in renewals. And last month we were at uh, 102% of our um, renewal um, percentage, not That's great. 102% total, but of the total amount that we were up for renewal, we renewed 102%. So um, that speaks well to the upselling and cross selling that we're able to do with the customer base. Um, yep. But we probably only had about 75 to 80% renewal total, which is still good. Um, but Obviously, you know, anytime you're, you know, not a hundred percent, you're like, oh, I left money on the table, but <laughs> yeah, you know, awesome. Well, it's helpful, Steve. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the context. Sure. Absolutely. My pleasure. Andrew. I actually have a, I have a question for Steve on that model. Sure. I, 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 I like, sure. I like that model. I like the concept. Are you, um, so you've got, you've got the CSMs that are kind of acting as mentors to account execs or are the account execs going through the, the, the motions of the business terms type of motions? Um, or both? Well, I guess the answer would be both because they're still doing their own new business hunt and, and, and following their own procedures and processes for sales. But we've gotten them on board with a, um, a, a more broken down book of business for renewals that they've gotten their list. We broke it down as you know evenly as we could. Uh, CSMs are training their teams. Usually it's about four or five salespeople and I have like three CSMs. So um, we've got like, I don't know, 12, 15 salespeople working on this with us, plus the CSMs trying to work their relationships as well. And what this does is this allows the CSMs, which was a larger team, to be able to still focus on their um, 
uh, their mixed touch uh, proactive reach outs um, while still not, you know, letting renewals fly by because, right. you know, at this climate right now, renewals are still a big part of our business and while, you know, we're, we're trying to get new business in. So, yeah. And, I, and I've, I've talked to a lot of executives that have repurposed uh, account executives given the current climate into, into customer success ish folks. But, but in general, I like the, the, the motion of the customer success team being continuing to be focused on value realization, you know, uh, beca- staying that trusted advisor and, and the more salesy folks focused on um, marshalling the, the, the renewal through the process and dealing with the business terms. And that way you're able to maintain that, that balance. And I, I definitely, though, have seen those renewals types of folks taking on more customer success-ish types of of role. So I like, I like that, uh, that approach though. Yeah. I think um, if I could chime in here a little bit, um, I think when you look at the, I'm reading the question, it seems like you're trying to figure out what the compensation model looks like. And I think it comes down to what they have responsibility and control for, you know, if a salesperson is responsible for signing the contract and getting upsell and so forth, then they should be compensated for it. But, if, but a lot of the things that the client success folks do has a huge impact on whether that person can do that. But they don't have responsibility to sale, but they do have responsibility for metrics that would lead, I'm sure the correlation that you all have figured out, that will lead to a higher likelihood of getting a sale and a revenue bump and that sort of thing. So, and that would just a general sense, I'm sorry, it's not my area of expertise, but from a sales standpoint, I want to be, I want to be compensated on things that I have control over. Nobody has 100% control over anything, we know that. But those aspects of it, I should be paid on. And the aspects that the CSM can do that definitely have a huge impact on it, they should definitely be paid on that. I mean, they're doing something no different than I am as a salesperson to, to bring revenue or keep revenue in or, you know, somebody who's really happy with your service and they go to another company and you know what, they're more likely to, to buy from you at that new company. Now you got a new account. So it definitely is that way. But I would just go back to what can they control? Not a hundred percent. None of us have that. Oh, I can't control this. That client did this. Got it. Same things happens on the sales side, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't compensate them for, doing everything they could can to, to impact those, those elements. So I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's my two cents. Yeah. I appreciate that, Dan. Um, awesome. We are, um, I think I've got two more hands raised right now and then we'll, um, we'll go ahead make sure I just want to um, make sure and call it out. We're Andreas. We're going to raise I, hands still. Okay, cool. Um, a clarification. Oh, sure. Go for it. Sorry. So maybe be because I'm struggling with this, I may have, uh, misunderstood, but, um, um, if I heard you correctly, Steve, um, you were saying in that uh, good CSMs were laid off to preserve mediocre performing sales account executives and giving them a new responsibility. So is that a little bit, I mean, without going into too much, because I've seen that struggle a couple of times, and that's why I brought it up. Uh, maybe it affects other people too. And sure. Then maybe we can move on. Yeah. So, um of course, not my decision. Uh, I wanted to preserve my people uh, and and make sure um, that we were able to keep um, the, the the performing people. Of course, and and yeah, I mean there were some good CSMs that we lost. Not everybody was let go. I mean, some moved on from attrition and um, and just weren't replaced um, over the last you know six months or so. Um, but uh, yeah, the the thing is, is that you can um, you can bring in a uh, you know a salesperson you know, and, and give them a shot at uh, either a very low base salary or, or commission only structure, which is also what we've done and let them try to prove themselves. Whereas finding a good CSM is, is a lot more difficult and not, not, you know, having the money to pay them 
a certain amount, you know, also, I guess, hurt our bottom line. So, um, sure. yeah, I mean, yes, it was, it was a tough decision, one that I didn't make overall and the owner did, but, um, you know, it was something that was, uh, was hard, but we also, you know, lost uh, quite a, quite a, quite a few salespeople as well. Um, yep. you know, so, wow, it's, you know, thank you. Perfect. Well, sure. uh, Steve, thanks for all the, the context there. You uh, got put on the spot by a few people. So <laughs> I appreciate you uh, answering that. And, no uh, Jeremy, I know you've got your hand raised for a little bit. So why don't you give us a quick hit on that question and then we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, I don't know if this would be helpful for the, for the group, but we actually, uh, we actually have meet what we call mirror comp plans here for sales reps and for CSMs. So CSMs own renewals and the relationship, uh, account executives own upsell and then new business. And so our, our plans are actually mirrored. So CSMs have uh, 90% of their OTE, whether it's bonus commission, whatever have you, comes out of renewing their customers. And then they get a basically a 10% spiff for any upsell on the, uh, on the accounts. Uh, whereas the AEs are exactly the opposite. They only, only 10% of their comp- compensation comes from renewals. And then the rest of the 90% comes from upsell and from new customers. So um, it's a way we designed it this way so that there'd be more mutual collaboration between CSMs and AEs so that there wasn't this, this thing of, well, it's my account. No, it's your account. Like you're both getting paid on it. You should both be involved in the relationship. Let the CSM own the renewal. But if there's joint growth going on in that account, you should both be uh, heavily involved in pushing that relationship forward. And for the most part, I mean, you're always going to have misses on that, but for the most part, we've gotten really good AE to CSM relationships built now uh, within these accounts where the accounts know both their account executive and their CSM. And it's not a question of, oh, who's my sales rep or who's my CSM. So just want to share that. Yeah, that's, appreciate that, Jeremy. And I think that's, that's typically some structures I've seen before too, where you again, trying to align it so that everyone's intended to, to get to the same outcomes uh, where we can. And uh, Steve, uh, just to mention back to you too, I'd reach out to Jay. We're, we're uh, instituting some changes with our renewals uh, at our company that could be interesting uh, for some of the things you mentioned, uh, Steve. So I'm sure, sure Jay would be happy to talk more about that. Uh, awesome. So the next question I wanted to jump to uh, in here was, how are you handling problem customers who claim they are not receiving due help Um, So I think maybe just kind of referencing this question, you know, if if customers feel like we're consistently not uh, kind of being proactive, giving them information that's going to be helpful, best practices, uh, you know, how are we doing or configuring things in the tool? How are we enabling them? I think generally speaking, this is where that that question is going. So, um, you know, maybe not an individual case, case by case basis, but how are you trying to handle this when you've got swaths of customers who might be, uh, might be looking at this? So uh, David Ellen, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, Jeff. So I think the first thing is that this needs a little clarification. When, when they talk about not needing help, are they talking about not getting proper support from customer support? Are they talking about not really getting help from customer success or from an onboarding team? I think you have to know where it's coming from. Once you know where it's coming from, you can kind of figure out, you know, is it a specific customer support rep or team that doesn't have the information they need to to be helpful. I've had that in my organization before where the customer support team wasn't really trained on a specific topic or technology, uh, maybe a new feature function that, that was introduced and they really couldn't help and they didn't know what to do about it. I've had other cases where a CSM, I had several customers in a CSM's portfolio complain they weren't getting help. And in that case, it wasn't an information issue. It was a CSM issue. So I think just we just need some clarification around where the problem's coming from. Yeah, that's great. Great first step. I can, right? uh, need to be able to need to be able to identify the the um, the root cause of that. And Jeff, if I could jump in here real quick, uh, so David, to you because I was the one who actually posed this. Um, I'm using this as a case study which I had found on LinkedIn for a particular customer uh, of SaaS, which I'll keep anonymous just to keep the case a little bit broad. 
um, who they've been reaching out to uh, essentially see executives because they weren't reaching, uh, they weren't receiving the supposed help that they were getting from their account team. Uh, so I guess just to kind of craft this so that maybe we can have a little bit more of an engaged discussion. Uh, you know, if you have a customer who's, uh, who's reaching out to your C team uh, or just higher up management and saying, hey, I'm not getting the help I deserve, and then you may have heard of it throughout your organization, uh, just curious how others are handling matters like that. Awesome. Appreciate the context, Matt. And thanks for, thanks for posing the question. Um, Effie, I think you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? So I am a big believer in managing expectations prior uh, to these issues, um, issues coming up. I think similar to David, the question is obviously, what does that mean that they're not receiving help? Um, so normally what I, what, what I find when a customer complains that they're not receiving help, it's usually from tickets or support. They're not getting answered fast enough. It's usually around some sort of SLA that hasn't be, been established or hasn't been, been upheld. And that could directly influence, um, you know, basically the customer sentiment and, and the health of the customer. So if you could take a step back, and, and that's something that we're doing actually now, and we're a startup, we're always changing things, is really establishing clear SLAs based on tiers, uh, based on support packages, um, and so on and so forth. Another thing I feel like usually they don't get to help is usually around adoption and training. And that's something that, um, that also could be addressed in a much more streamlined manner. You could have videos, you could uh, tweak your, your, your training program. Um, not receiving do help, if it's usually the CSM is, isn't, <clears throat> isn't attentive, then that's a direct result of a bad CSM. So I, I find that's usually not around CSM, but usually about other uh, customer support issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. And I think, you know, one thing we, um, have done at higher logic in the first 50 days, we went and talked actually with probably 70 customers. And part of that exercise is actually us reading back all that we've learned to not only those 70 customers, but to the customer base, right? So here's what we've learned. Here's what we're trying to improve. And so even just trying to be proactive with some of the information that we've gathered through that exercise, um, and just closing the loop, being transparent, I think is, is another way that we're trying to go, trying to make sure people are getting the help, trying to make sure people understand that we're moving that in the right direction. Um, uh, Bertle, looks like you've got your hand raised. Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, I, I think this is a great question. I, um, when I took over the, my existing portfolio of clients uh, less, a little less than a year ago, three quarter, three quarter, 75% of my accounts were about to pull the plug. So my first six months has been just to, I think, uh, just to connect with the, uh, with, with the, uh, new, with the, uh, the client to understand why they're not receiving this, um, uh, help, like support. And I think when it comes to handling that, all of the points that have been mentioned are really, really useful. But I think like the first thing to do, the really first thing is just to sit down, put yourself on mute and say, just tell me. I, it's on us, just tell us. And, and it almost, I felt like emotionally just having the end user pouring everything on you and you realize that's just, just little things off and on. And most of, most of the time, and if he's right, it's often maybe the product, but as well the customer success before handling the account. And just emotionally having just get rid of all of that tension. And then you said, okay, so let's restart. Where do you need to be? How can we get you there? And then we build a relationship. And this is how I was able to secure those uh, accounts. Yeah, that's uh, love that, right? Just how do we ask some open-ended questions? How do we sit back and listen? And, and uh, at the same time, right, we don't need to be promising things on that phone call. We just need to be listening and finding out the right way to follow up. I think that's the other thing we've learned through our first kind of 70 customer calls that we've had uh, as we've done this as well. So um, I like that point though, uh, Bertle. Uh, Sherry, good to see you. I see your hand raised. Um, what are some yeah. of your thoughts here? 
Um, I don't want to be too redundant, so this will be quick because I think everybody's really covered it pretty well, but a couple of things. Um, to Bertel's point about open-ended open questions, and um, Andrew Marks, I know you're here somewhere. We talked about this yesterday briefly. Um, I think it comes down to understanding how to have a difficult conversation. I don't necessarily, it could be in any category where there's an issue with a customer or they feel that they're upset. Understanding how to go into that conversation, how to have empathy, understanding, and have some context before you go into it, and then ask deeper probing questions, those open-ended questions to help. So I think having difficult conversations is part of that here, and that's a bit of a skill, and we can learn how to do that. Um, and then to David Ellen's point about getting context, too, one of the things that I would want to know as well is if this is, you know, finding out one of my CSMs has this account and this is the issue, how engaged are they with us? Are they canceling calls left and right? Are they showing up? We, you know, I always say a partnership is, you know, it's equal. We're both sitting at the table together. But if you're not sitting at the table across from me on a regular basis, then you have to, you know, you have to own that and be accountable also. And that's also hard to say, but that's an, again, realigning um, and managing expectations. I love that first point you made uh, about trying to hold customers accountable as well. You know, I think there's sometimes, right, they're, they're kind of paying us in this situation and, and we feel like there's a, you know, some sort of something that we owe, something we have to do. Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean we can't hold them accountable and make sure that they're in this partnership together. Um, I love the realigning expectations. I think this is where I'm sure you'll hear everybody on this call too talk about, right? There's got to be some way that we can set expectations back to a success plan, back to outcomes. There's got to be something that we're always driving towards. So having that um, front of mind. I did want to give a quick shout out. I just saw in the chat, Bertel, congratulations on uh, becoming a US citizen. Uh, David Ellen just mentioned that. So uh, I know you're, you've got your thick French accent, as you uh, like to say, but uh, I'm, I'm glad to, to hear that. And maybe you, uh, you'll get some Peloton rides in there in the back as well. I noticed that. <laughs> See, Jeff, that was the value of the small breakout session that we had. There you go. That's great. I love that. Thanks. Um, well, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to move on to the next question for us, just so we can move into a couple other things. So what leading indicators, metrics, and goals do you use? Um, I think this is probably a question that we talk about the most. Uh, in this in this group in our online discussion, and so I you know I still think it's uh, interesting. It keeps being brought back up just because I think of how important it is. How we're always trying to, to strive for this. I'm sure at some point Ed Powers is going to chime in here with uh, some data analysis. Uh, you know he's our guru and whiz, so he's probably going to chime in with something uh, here wise at some point soon. I bet um, if I can get him off mute and uh, we get some interesting topics going. But Effie, I see no your pressure, hand raised. Yeah, no pressure, Ed. I'll uh, Effie, I see your hand raised again, and then we'll uh, we'll look for a couple other people to, to hop in here as well. So this question I see all the time on GGR, it's so, so common. And what really surprises me is that there's really no one size fits all for each organization. And I, I came to this stark reality when I enjoyed my current, my current organization, my current company, which is cybersecurity. And we have absolutely zero telemetry and zero metrics, and we have no way of measuring adoption or use or anything. So, which is really exciting to me because how do you know if your customer adopted if you can't see them using it? And that brings such, such creativity. And I think there's a lot of lesson learned that could be moved over to SaaS, which is a whole other uh, subject that one day I'll, I'll, I'll present when the time is right. But, um, you know, I, I just, you know, the common denominators when we're not looking at metrics, because, you know, one, one company, it could be the number of times they logged in and another company, it could be the number of license they use versus bought. And, you know, those metrics are very fluid and you cannot answer it one size fits all. Um, I think what you can um, answer is the two indicators that we could directly influence. And I mentioned it on the chat, which CS, like when it comes to renewals and upsells and cross sells, a customer may not be doing it because of budget or because the product wasn't up to par or whatever it is. These are things that we don't always influence. 
customer adoption and advocacy, and which is basically value, is something that is directly correlated to CSM. And in an ideal world, that's what I would also comp um, CSMs on. CSM it's not down. always yep. realistic. Um, but I think that could, you know, advocacy and, and adoption are the two things that is common denominator. I like it. We, um, we're doing something right now, Effie, we're about to kick off a more of like a digital program that we're, and again, I'm not going to call it tech touch, but it spans our entire customer base. And so we're actually going to be introducing things potentially to our customer base that replicate maybe office hours or, uh, webinars, things that we're doing. Right. And so we're trying to figure out now, how do we get metrics on those? Um, because again, I think to your point, right, we can't always rely on product data. We can't always rely on things that maybe happen in the tool, but we can start to look at things of how they're engaging with not only our CSMs, but our brands. Are they looking at our marketing content? Are they on our website? Uh, where do they go into, you know, our office hours or any of our communities that we have? So I think there's so many things that we're trying to look outside um, of just our product data because there's, you know, other elements that we can bring into this. And, uh, at, you know, at any given moment, somebody's probably going to tell me, well, that's not leading, right? That's not a leading indicator. Um, and so there's probably going to be some debate, right? Leading versus lagging. But at the same time, uh, right now, all we care about is just getting that metric, getting the engagement with the customer. We'll, we'll figure out the metrics down the line, right? We'll kind of get, we'll hone that in as we go on. So uh, I just wanted to call that out as well. Yeah, I found that in my new role without the metrics, I realized how much in the past years I've used, you know, we all use it as a crutch, like, oh, they're logging in, they're using it, and everything must be great. And that's not the, and, and, and when, you, when you take that out of the whole equation, it forces you to look at other criteria around the customer health, which may be much better indicators in the long run. Yeah. I like that. Um, awesome. Anna, Ali, looks like you've got your hand raised. Good to see you again. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, it's interesting because I'm actually right now seeing the opposite. So we're working on like building out our health score right now. And, and a lot of the metrics that we started with actually are more along those lines in terms of engagement. Um, are they responding to us? Like what's the temperature that the CSMs are logging for them? And our um, like BI reporting team did a whole analysis on the health score and how indicative of it it was looking kind of six months ahead to attrition. And actually all of those elements for at least us, and it points to everybody being completely different for us. It, none of those were like statistically relevant at all. Um, when we looked at future attrition or future advocacy in terms of a customer willing to be a reference for us. So it's, it was just very interesting because, um, and we are a SaaS company. So, I mean, like you said, there's differences based on the different customer base, but we're actually trying our next version of the health score with a lot of that product usage data um, to see if it's more indicative. And I, I think one thing that's a little bit unique for us or different for us is so much of the customer's experience is reliant upon our service component, not necessarily our product component. That one of the things that we're looking at trying to incorporate into our health score in this next run um, are those sorts of things. Like we make uh, payments on behalf of customers and things like that. So, um, you know, if you have one payment that's late, that's, that could be a huge experience um, driver for the customer, even if 99% of the time you're executing, you know, really effectively. So trying to look at some of that data around like the, the process execution. Um, like I said, that's probably a little bit unique for us, but um, we're just trying different metrics. I think a lot of it is like, you just have to try something, test it out, see if it's relevant. If it's not like throw it away and try something else, because I, I think a lot of it is, is so different and so unique depending on your business. Yeah. Uh, I love that example. And, uh, Again, I won't speak for Ed, but I think he's probably nodding his head over there. I can't see him on my screen right now, but uh, the st statistical analysis you did, he's gonna uh, he's gonna quote you on, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> what you mentioned, kind of product, you mentioned that there were, um, uh, I guess, other 
relationship. I don't even know what we're going to call them. Uh, digital metrics, maybe your dig digital engagement metrics that you're looking at. Like, is there any other categories that you guys are including in that? So you've got products, digital engagement. Is there anything yeah. else that you guys are? So what, what they started with was, and a lot of it was based on the data that was most easily accessible for us to get. Um, but what we started with was like adoption, um, temperature and sentiment, which were driven by a couple different things, largely based on CSM engagement, um, but also some uh, escalation elevation components with care. And then there was also a, um, our support, uh, like case, um, how often they were sending cases. You know, there's a, there's a balance there because if somebody gets to zero, that can actually be more of a red flag than if somebody has 50. But what, you know, what's that balance of risk high versus risk low? Um, and trying to navigate that, um, but the, and the, we have multiple products, and they're more, you're typically more sticky if you have multiple products, um, so that was the other, the other component there, but instead of just looking at adoption, we're trying to actually look at more of the actual usage, like login, like, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, our product is very transactional, and so, um, I don't know. We'll see it. Those, the new things might not be indicative either. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll check back in, you know, weekly. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, I'm sure Heather's driving some accountability for you over there, but, uh, we will too, you know, we'll be asking there. every single week, but I, like I appreciate it. you sharing that, Anna. Yeah. Um, Jessica, it looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? So I have a comment and a question. So we're just kicking off a lot of our business metrics. And so we're going to track customer configuration costs, customer retention cost, um, lifetime value, of course, and then time to activation, which is our, our moment that we're tracking. So we're starting to gather all these and these are the few that we're putting on the wall is what we're going to track. I'm wondering, and this wasn't my question, but because as others have said, it's no one size fits all. Do we just have like a, even if it's on GGR, like a bank of metrics? Here's what people measure. Because that would um, be helpful. Uh, Jessica, I know we've met a couple of times, but I love this idea. We should do this on Gengar Uh So yeah, we can certainly go. I don't, there's not one that exists right now. I think where people have just gone to throw all the metrics that they look at. I think that's what you're talking about, right? Like, uh, like what are you measuring? Like, what are your, yep. Yeah. Um, no, we don't have that right now, but we can certainly go, we can go throw that on Gengar Um, You know, my trusty co-facilitator over there, Jay, is probably up on Gengar Rotain right now, you know, throwing that out there. And if he's not, then I just told him to go do that. It's cool when you can tell your boss to go do things, right? Hey, you Jeff, can I, can, I address, can I address Jessica's Just question? Yeah, go Jeff? for it, Andrew. Um, so, Jessica, one thing that I would uh, um, encourage you to look at is some way to track um, how your team is delivering success. Right? If we, we want to affect the trailing indicators of success, the churn, the upsell, the renewal. Those are vanity metrics, though. Right. So, we, you know, and, and, and Effie nailed it. There is no one size fits all. One of the best ways we can affect those trailing indicators is identifying uh, things that our team is doing uh, that, uh, that, that we do to deliver success for our customers and, 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 and assigning some sort of metric, some sort of tracking mechanism to that. Right. So we understand that Andrew, it takes him 10 days to onboard a customer, but it takes Jeff five days to onboard a customer. And the customer's a lot happier because they're faster time to value with the way Jeff does it. So what, what is Jeff doing that we can teach Andrew how to do? Uh, and, and can we then correlate these, these actions, and these activities to what happens at the end of this, at the, at the renewal, at the upsell, at the cross-sell? Hey, every time somebody, you know, Jeff's customers have a 95% renewal rate. Andrew's customers have an 80% renewal rate. There's something that these two people are doing differently that's having an effect on, you know, what's happening with our customers. So I would encourage you to think, and I don't have an answer for you and your particular organization, the way you do business, your customer base, but it's just, it's just a way you want to approach it. I do like, and 
I do like in that scenario that I got the higher metrics each time. I did that on that's purpose, great. Jeff, because you're my nice. host. You're our host. Yeah. You, I you build to, up. You know. Yeah. You butter, you, you, you know, you butter me up. I like that. Um, awesome. Well, I know we've got about four minutes left. So uh, Nils, I know you've had your hand raised. So give us maybe a quick one, one to two minute, well, what you've got here, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and wrap things up here. Yeah, cool. No, it, it's Andrew pretty much um, kind of summarized what I was thinking as well. No surprise. Uh, partner in crime there. So, you know, this is all about, if you take a look at this, this is going to be a bit more configured for a medium to high touch model. Just know that I'm not talking tech touch right at this moment. But um, in those things, you got to have a destination in mind. There's a place you have to deliver customers to that ultimately will result in the highest likelihood of a renewal. Right. That might be one year down the line. That might be two years down the line, six months down the line, one month, whatever your time frame is. But there's a place that they have to get to. And if you know where that place is that they have to get to, then you can work backwards and say, these are all the things I need to do at these various different points in order to get them to that place. Ultimately, our job as CS professionals is to build a machine that produces incredible customers. So if we know what an incredible customer is and all the things they have to do over the course of a year to get there, then our job is to make those things repeatable. So if we put a generic customer in at the beginning, the machine goes through and we do these things and we spit out a very highly valued customer who is going to renew and ultimately expand, right? So the leading indicators in that case are all the activities. So just as Andrew was saying, these are the activity-based things that have to happen along every step of the path because people don't make decisions about churning on a software from one thing, right? It's the result of an entire year usually worth of engagement points. And if you know what those engagement points are to deliver to that end goal, then you can track those and that's where you're going to get the most amount of insight into what's gonna happen in the future. I love exactly. it. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Nils. That was great. Pleasure. Uh, it's a manufacturing well, line. Yeah. It's a manufacturing line. It's, That's it. That's no, uh, producing customers. You want to manufacture success. <laughs> That's right. right. Well, yeah. uh, I appreciate everybody's uh, time today. Hopefully you enjoyed the new format of doing some networking first, getting into small groups, kind of having some intimate discussions. So if you did, I don't know, send me an email, uh, you know, send carrier pigeons, send up some balloons, do something that gets my attention and lets me know that that works. Um, put it in the chat. We'll, we'll go through and do that. But uh, hopefully that we're going to try that maybe moving forward. Uh, appreciate everybody with all the questions in Slido. I think there's like 25 or 30 questions. So uh, my weekend activity might be going to take 25 or 30 questions and throwing them up in uh, Gain, Grow, Retain, as well as Nils's leadership session, which is still outstanding and a couple other things from the community. As Jay mentioned, we have a office hours committee starting to form so that we could, uh, you know, execute these better going forward. We can get notes coming out of these. We can kind of get a regular cadence going, you know, again, we're, we've got full-time jobs now. So we're, we're trying to, to help uh, empower the community to help us. So um, if you guys are interested, let us know. Uh, if you have anything else that you want to throw into the community uh, that we do have an event section that we've got in there now, we're trying to revamp some of the homepage experience. Uh, so we're going to have some rollouts coming up here soon. So uh, feel free to shoot me an email. If there's anything you guys have in terms of feedback or events, uh, we'll get those up on there for you and appreciate everyone's time. Hopefully you all have a great weekend. We'll be back here again uh, next week at 1130. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the gain, grow, retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.